Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to read chapters 1 to 2 of the new book that we uh, finished last week. This is now the new book following the Heroes of Olympus series and it's called The Mark of Athena. In the previous episode, we finished the book with Percy um finally remembering everything and not waiting very excited to be able to meet annabeth and jason and uh, leo and piper uh and you know i'm sure that camp jupiter is also very excited to meet uh, jason once again and also his new friends and hopefully the interaction between annabeth and probably um the interaction or the communication between Annabeth and Camp Jupiter goes well so that you know they have a good mindset already or a good impression of Camp Half-Blood which is what I really hope happens and yeah so we're gonna start off with the new book reading chapter one Annabeth until she met the exploding statue Annabeth thought she was prepared for anything She'd paced the deck of their flying warship, the Argo II, checking and double-checking the ballistae to make sure they were locked down. She confirmed that the white we-come-in-peace flag was flying from the mast. She reviewed the plan with the rest of the crew, and the backup plan, and the backup plan for the backup plan. Most important, she pulled aside their war-crazed chaperone, Coach Gleason Hedge, and encouraged him to take the morning off in his cabin and watch reruns of mixed martial arts championships. The last thing they needed as they flew a magical Greek trireme into a potentially hostile Roman camp was a middle-aged satyr satyr in gym clothes waving a club and yelling, DIE! Everything seemed to be in order. Even that mysterious chill she'd been feeling since the ship launched had dissipated. At least for now. The warship descended through the clouds, but Annabeth couldn't stop second-guessing herself. What if this was a bad idea? What if the Romans panicked and attacked them on sight? The Argo II definitely did not look friendly. 200 feet long with a bronze-plated hull, mountain-repeating crossbows fore and aft, a flaming metal dragon for a figurehead, and two rate-rotating ballistae amidships that could fire explosive bolts powerful enough to blast through concrete. Well, it wasn't the most appropriate ride for a meet-and-greet with the neighbors. Annabeth had tried to give the Romans a heads up. She asked Leo to send one of his special invitations, a holographic scroll to alert their friends inside the camp. Hopefully the message had gotten through. Leo had wanted to paint a giant message on the bottom of the hull, what's up, with a smiley face, but Annabeth vetoed the idea. She wasn't sure the Romans had a sense of humor. Too late to turn back now. The clouds broke around their hull, revealing the gold and green carpet of the Oakland Hills below them. Annabeth gripped one of the bronze shields that lined the starboard rail. Her three crewmates took their places. On the stern quarterdeck, Leo rushed around like a madman, checking his gauges and wrestling levers. Most helmsmen would have been satisfied with a pilot's wheel or a tiller. Leo had also installed a keyboard, monitor, aviation controls from a Learjet, a dubstep soundboard, and motion control sensors from a Nintendo Wii. He could turn the chip by pulling on the throttle, fire weapons by sampling an album, or raise sails by shaking his Wii controllers really fast. Even by demigod standards, Leo was seriously ADHD. Piper paced back and forth between the mainmast and the ballistic, practicing her lines. 
lower your weapons, she murmured. We just want to talk. Her charm's peak was so powerful, the words flowed over Annabeth, filling her with the desire to drop her dagger and have a nice long chat. For a child of Aphrodite, Piper tried hard to play down her beauty. Today, she was dressed in tattered jeans, worn-out sneakers, and a white tank top with pink Hello Kitty designs. Maybe as a joke, though Annabeth could never be sure with Piper. Her choppy brown hair was braided down the right side with an eagle's feather. Then there was Piper's boyfriend, Jason. He stood at the bow on the raised crossbow platform, where the Romans could easily spot him. His knuckles were white on the hilt of his golden sword. Otherwise, he looked calm for a guy who was making himself a target. Over his jeans and orange camp half-blood t-shirt, he donned a toga and a purple cloak, symbols of his old rank as Praetor. With his wind-ruffled blonde hair and his icy blue eyes, he looked ruggedly handsome and in control, just like a son of Jupiter should. He'd grown up at Camp Jupiter, so hopefully his familiar face would make the Romans hesitant to blow the ship out of the sky. Annabeth tried to hide it, but she still didn't completely trust the guy. He acted too perfect, always following the rules, always doing the honorable thing, even looked too perfect. In the back of her mind, she had a nagging thought. What if this is a trick and he betrays us? What if we sail into Camp Jupiter and he says, Hey Romans, check out these prisoners and this cool ship I brought you. Annabeth doubted that would happen. Still, she couldn't look at him without getting a bitter taste in her mouth. He'd been part of the Harrow's, uh, he'd been part of Harrow's forced exchange program to introduce the two camps. Her most annoying majesty, Queen of Olympus, had convinced the other gods that their two sets of children, Roman and Greek, had to combine forces to save the world from the evil goddess Gaia, who was awakening from the earth, and her horrible children, the giants. Without warning, Hera had plucked up Percy Annabeth, Percy Jackson, Annabeth's boyfriend, wiped his memory, and sent him to the Roman camp. In exchange, the Greeks had gotten Jason. None of that was Jason's fault, but every time Annabeth saw him, she remembered how much she missed Percy. Percy, who was somewhere below them right now. Oh, gods. Panic welled up inside her. She forced it down. She couldn't afford to get overwhelmed. I am a child of Athena. She told herself, I have to stick to my plan and not get distracted. She felt it again. That familiar shiver, as if a psychotic snowman had crept up behind her and was breathing down her neck. She turned, but no one was there. Must be her nerves. Even in a world of gods and monsters, Annabeth couldn't believe a new warship would be haunted. The Argo II was well protected. The celestial bronze shields along the rail were enchanted to ward off monsters, and their onboard satyr... Coach Hedge would have sniffed out any intruders. Annabeth wished she could have she could pray to her mother for guidance, but that wasn't possible now. Not after last month when she had a, that horrible encounter with her mom and gotten the worst present of her life. The cold pressed closer. She thought she heard a faint voice in the wind, laughing. Every muscle in her body tensed. Something was about to go terribly wrong. She almost ordered Leo to reverse course. Then in the valley below, horns sounded, sound, sounded. The Romans had spotted them. Annabeth thought she knew what to expect. Jason had described Camp Jupiter to her in great detail. Still, she had trouble believing her eyes. Ringed by the Oakland Hills, the valley was at least twice the size of Camp Half-Blood. A small river snaked around one side and curled toward the center like a capital G. 
emptying into a sparkling blue lake. Directly below the ship nestled at the edge of the lake, the city of New Rome gleamed in the sunlight. She recognized landmarks Jason had told her about. The Hippodrome, the Colosseum, the temples and parks, the neighborhood of Seven Hills, with its winding streets, colorful villas, and flowering gardens. She saw evidence of the Romans' recent battle with an army of monsters. The dome was cracked open on a building she guessed was the Senate House. The Forum's broad plaza was pitted with craters. Some fountains and statues were in ruins. Dozens of kids in togas were streaming out of the Senate House to get a better view of the Argo II. More Romans emerged from the shops and cafes, gawking and pointing at the ship as the ship descended. About half a mile to the west, where the horns were blowing, a Roman fort stood on a hill. It looked just like the illustrations Annabeth had seen in military history books, with a defensive trench lined with spikes, high walls and watchtowers armed with scorpion ballistae. Inside, perfect rows of white barracks lined the main road, the Via Principalis. A column of demigods emerged from the gates, their armors and spears glinting as they hurried toward the city. In the midst of their ranks was an actual war elephant. Annabeth wanted to land the Argo II before those troops arrived, but the ground was still several hundred feet below. She scanned the crowd, hoping to catch a glimpse of Percy. Then something behind her went boom. The explosion almost knocked her overboard. She whirled and found herself eye to eye with an angry statue. Unacceptable, he shrieked. Apparently, he had exploded into existence right there on the deck. Sulfurous yellow smoke rolled off his shoulders. Cinders popped around his curly hair from the waist down. He was nothing but a square marble pedestal. From the waist up, he was a muscular human figure in a carved toga. I will not have weapons inside the Pomerian line, he announced in a fussy teacher voice. I certainly will not have Greeks. Jason shot Annabeth a look that said, I've got this. Terminus, he said. It's me, Jason Grace. Oh, I remember you, Jason, Terminus grumbled. I thought you had better sense than to consort with the enemies of Rome. But they're not enemies. That's right, Piper jumped in. We just want to talk. If we could... Ha! Snapped the statue. Don't try that charm speak on me, young lady. And put that dagger down before I slap it out of your hands. Piper glanced at her bronze dagger, which she'd apparently forgotten she was holding. Um, okay, but how would you slap it? You don't have any arms. Impertinence! There was a sharp pop and a flash of yellow. Piper yelped and dropped the dagger, which was now smoking and sparking. Lucky for you, I've just been through a battle, Terminus announced. If I were at full strength, I would have blasted this flying monstrosity out of the sky already. Hold up. Leo stepped forward, wagging his weak controller. Did you just call my ship a monstrosity? I know you just you didn't do that. The idea that Leo might attack the statue with his gaming device was enough to snap Annabeth out of her shock. Let's all calm down. She raised her hands to show she had no weapons. I take it you're Terminus, the god of boundaries. Jason told me you protect the city of New Rome, right? I'm Annabeth Chase, daughter of... Oh, I know who you are! The statue glared at her with its, with its blank white eyes. A child of Athena, Minerva, Minerva's Greek form. Scandalous! 
You Greeks have no sense of decency. We Romans know the proper place for that goddess. Annabeth clenched her jaw. The statue wasn't making it easy to be diplomatic. What exactly do you mean, that goddess? And what's so scandalous about- Right, Jason interrupted. Anyway, Terminus, we're on a mission of peace. We'd love permission to land so we can- Impossible, the god squeaked. Lay down your weapons and surrender. Leave my city immediately. Which is it? Leo asked. Surrender or leave? Both, Terminus said. Surrender, then leave. I'm slapping your face for asking such a stupid question, you ridiculous boy. Do you feel that? Wow. Leo studied Terminus with professional interest. You're wound up pretty tight. You got any gears in there that need loosening? I could take a look. He exchanged the Wii controller for a screwdriver from his magic tool belt and tapped the statue's pedestal. Stop that! Terminus insisted. Another small explosion made Leo drop his screwdriver. Weapons are not allowed on Roman soil inside the Pomerian line. The what? Piper asked. City limits, Jason translated. And this entire ship is a weapon, Terminus said. You cannot land. Down in the valley, the legion reinforcements were halfway to the city. The crowd in the forum was over a hundred strong now. Annabeth scanned the faces and... Oh, gods. She saw him. He was walking toward the ship with his arms around two kids like they were best buddies. A stout boy with a black buzz cut and a girl wearing a Roman cavalry helmet. Percy looked at so... At ease. So happy. He wore a purple cape just like Jason's. The mark of a praetor. Annabeth's heart did a gymnastics routine. Leo stopped the ship. She ordered. What? You heard me. Keep us right where we are. Leo pulled out his controller and yanked it upward. All 90 oars froze in place. The ship stopped sinking. Terminus, Annabeth said. There's a rule against hovering over New Rome, is there? The statue frowned. Well, no. We can keep the ship aloft, Annabeth said. We'll use a rope ladder to reach the form. That way the ship won't be on Roman soil. Not technically. The statue seemed to ponder this. Annabeth wondered if he was scratching his chin with imaginary hands. I like technicalities, he admitted. Still, all our weapons will stay aboard the ship, Annabeth promised. Assume the Romans, even those in reinforcements marching toward us, will also have to honor your rules inside the Pomerian line if you tell them to? Of course, Terminus said. Do I look like I tolerate rule breakers? Oh, uh, Annabeth, he said. You sure this is a good idea? She closed her fists to keep them from shaking. That cold feeling was still there. It floated just behind her. And now that Terminus was no longer shouting and causing explosions, she thought she could hear the presence of laughing, as if it was delighted by the bad choices she was making. But Percy was down there. He was so close, she had to reach him. It'll be fine, she said. No one will be armed. We can talk in peace. Terminus will make sure each side obeys the rules. She looked at the marble statue. Do we have an agreement? Terminus stiffed, sniffed. I suppose, for now. You may climb down your ladder to New Rome, daughter of Athena. Please, try not to destroy my town. And that's the end of chapter one. Wow, that was certainly a very 
amazing an amazing start to the book and yeah i i think this is i've just noticed this now but annabeth is extremely good at negotiations i think maybe it's 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 the perk that comes with being the daughter of athena slash minerva but yeah i think annabeth handled that really well and and you know there's so many ways that you know annabeth probably could have gone mad at terminus for just not letting them land and probably seeing percy with um you know frank and hazel but you know probably i think you know once they communicate with each other i think it'll start to get better so hopefully the communication is there when you know annabeth is talking to percy reuniting with him and communicating with the rest of the camp so we'll after the break or the non-existent break uh we'll read chapter two to see how the rest of this conversation goes Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. And we're back from the ads. Now we're going to read chapter two, Annabeth. A sea of hastily assembled demigods parted for Annabeth as she walked through the forum. Some looked tense, some nervous. Some were bandaged from the recent battle with the giants, but no one was armed. No one attacked. Entire families had gathered to see the new corners. (coughs) Annabeth saw couples with babies, toddlers clinging to their parents' legs, even some elderly folks in a combination of ro- Roman robes and modern clothes. Were all of them demigods? Annabeth suspected so, though she'd never seen a place like this. At Camp Half-Blood, most demigods were teens. If they survived long enough to graduate from high school, they either stayed on as counselors or left to start lives as best they could in the mortal world. Here, it was an entire multi-generational community. At the far end of the crowd, Annabeth spotted Tyson and the Cyclops and Percy's hellhound, Mrs. O'Leary, who had been the first scouting party from Camp Half-Blood to reach Camp Jupiter. They looked to be good in, in good spirits. Tyson waved and grinned. He was wearing an SBQR banner like a giant bib. Some part of Annabeth's mind registered how beautiful the city was. The smells from the bakeries, the gurgling fountains, the flowers blooming in the gardens. <clears throat> And the architecture? Gods, the architecture. Gilded marble columns, dazzling mosaics, monumental arches, and terraced villas. In front of her, the demigods made way for a girl in full Roman armor and a purple cape. Dark hair tumbled across her shoulders. Her eyes were as black as obsidian. Reina. Jason had described her well. Even without that, Annabeth would have singled her out as the leader. Metals decorated her armor. She carried herself with such confidence the other demigods backed away and averted their gaze. Annabeth recognized something else in her face, too. In the hard set of her mouth and the deliberate way she raised her chin like she was ready to accept any challenge, Reyna was forcing a look of courage, while holding back a mixture of hopefulness and worry and fear that she couldn't show in public. Annabeth knew that expression. 
She saw it every time she looked in a mirror. The two girls considered each other. Annabeth's friends fanned out on either side. The Romans murmured Jason's name, staring at him in awe. Then someone else appeared from the crowd, and Annabeth's vision tunneled. Percy smiled at her, that sarcastic troublemaker smile that had annoyed her for years, but eventually had become endearing. His sea-green eyes were as gorgeous as she remembered. His dark hair was swept to one side, like he'd just come from a walk on the beach. He looked even better than he had six months ago. Tanner and taller, leaner and more muscular. Annabeth was too stunned to move. She felt that if she got any closer to him, all the molecules in her body might combust. She'd secretly had a crush on him since they were 12 years old. Last summer, she'd fallen for him hard. They'd been a happy couple for four months, and then he disappeared. During their separation, something had happened to Annabeth's feelings. They'd grown painfully intense, like she'd been forced to withdraw from a life-saving medication. Now she wasn't sure which was more excruciating, living with that horrible absence or being with him again. The praetor Reyna straightened. With apparent reluctance, she turned toward Jason. Jason Grace, my former colleague. She spoke the word colleague like she was a danger, like it was a dangerous thing. I welcome you home. And these, your friends. <clears throat> Annabeth didn't mean to, but she surged forward. Percy rushed toward her at the same time. The crowd tensed. Some reached for swords that weren't there. Percy threw his arms around her. They kissed. And for a moment, nothing else mattered. An asteroid could have hit the planet and wiped out all life, and Annabeth wouldn't have cared. Percy smelled of ocean, hair, ocean air. His lips were salty. Seaweed brain, she thought giddily. Percy pulled away and studied her face. Gods, I never thought. Annabeth grabbed his wrist and flipped him over her shoulder. He slammed into the stone pavement. Romans cried out. Some surged forward, but Reyna shouted, Hold! Stand down! Anna put her, Annabeth put her knee on Percy's chest. She pushed her forearms against his throat. She didn't care what the Romans thought. A white-hot lump of anger expanded into her chest, a tumor of worry and bitterness that she'd been carrying around since last autumn. If you ever leave me again, she said, her eyes stinging, I swear to all the gods. Percy had the nerve to laugh. Suddenly, the lump of heated emotions melted inside Annabeth. Consider me warned, Percy said. I miss you too. Annabeth rose and helped him to his feet. She wanted to kiss him so badly, but she managed to restrain herself. Jason cleared his throat. So, yeah, uh, it's good to be back. He introduced Reyna to Piper, who looked a little miffed that she hadn't gotten to say the line she'd been practicing. Then to Leo, who grinned and flashed a peace sign. And this is Annabeth, Jason said. Uh, normally she doesn't judo flip people. Reyna's eyes sparkled. You sure you're not a Roman, Annabeth? Or an Amazon? Annabeth didn't know if that was a compliment, but she didn't. She held out her hand. I only attack my boyfriend like that, she promised. Pleased to meet you. Reyna clasped, clasped her hand firmly. It seems we have a lot to discuss. Centurions? A few of the Roman campers hustled forward, apparently the senior officers. 
Two kids appeared at Percy's side, the same ones Annabeth had seen him chumming around with earlier. The burly Asian guy with the bus cut was about 15. He was cute in a sort of oversized, cuddly, panda bear way. The girl was younger, maybe 13, with amber eyes and chocolate skin and long, curly hair. Her cavalry helmet was tucked under her arm. Annabeth could tell from their body language that they felt close to Percy. They stood next to him protectively, like they'd already shared many adventures. She fought down a twinge of jealousy. Was it possible this, that Percy and this girl? No. The chemistry between the three of them wasn't like that. Annabeth had spent her whole life learning to read people. It was a survival skill. She had to guess she'd say the big Asian guy was the girl's boyfriend. Though she suspected they hadn't been together long. There was one thing she didn't understand. What was the girl staring at? She kept frowning in Piper and Leo's direction like she recognized one of them. And the memory was painful. Meanwhile, Reyna was giving orders to her officers. Tell the Legion to stand down. Dakota, alert the spirits in the kitchen. <clears throat> Tell them to prepare a welcome feast. And Octavian, you're letting these intruders into the camp? A tall guy with stringy blonde hair elbowed his way forward. <clears throat> Reyna, the security risks. We're not taking them to the camp, Octavian. Reyna flashed him a stern look. We'll eat here, in the forum. Oh, much better. Octavian grumbled. He seemed to be the only one who didn't defer to Reyna as a superior, despite the fact that he was scrawny and pale and, for some reason, had three teddy bears hanging from his belt. You want us to relax in the shadow of their warship? These are our guests. Reyna clipped off every word. We will welcome them, and we will talk to them. As Augur, you should burn an offering to thank the gods for bringing Jason back to us safely. Good idea, Percy put in. Go burn your bears, Octavian. Raina looked like she was trying not to smile. You have my orders. Go. The officers dispersed. Octavian shot Percy in a look of absolute loathing. Then he gave Annabeth a suspicious once-over and stalked away. Percy slipped his hand into Annabeth's. Don't worry about Octavian, he said. Most of the Romans are good people, like Frank and Hazel here. And Raina will be fine. Annabeth felt as if someone had draped a cold washcloth across her neck. She heard that whispering laughter again, as if the presence had followed her from the ship. She looked up at the Argo Second. Its massive bronze hull glittered in the sunlight. Part of her wanted to kidnap Percy right now, climb on board, and get out of here while they still could. She couldn't shake the feeling that something was about to go terribly wrong, and there was no way she would ever risk losing Percy again. We'll be fine, she repeated, trying to believe it. Excellent, Reyna said. She turned to Percy, she turned to Jason and Annabeth, thought, and thought they, there was a hungry sort of gleam in their eyes. Let's talk, and we can have a proper reunion. And that's the end of chapter two. That was probably, the reunion between Annabeth and Percy was probably one of the sweetest and heartwarming reunions I think I've ever seen. And although Annabeth did gnarly did flip Percy, judo flip Percy in a gnarly way. It's still, their reunion was is probably one of the sweetest ones I think I've ever seen to by far in all of the books. So I'm really glad to uh, see this, you know, really congenial reunion between the, between uh, 
Camp Half-Blood and Camp Jupiter. And I can definitely tell that Reyna is really glad to see Jason back. And yeah, although we'll still have to deal with Octavian, he'll probably, some somewhere or another, he'll probably, you know, be able to be served in a way. So yeah, I am really interested to see how this conversation goes between Reyna and the others. And if you guys enjoyed this episode and think this pot and really like this podcast please go to my patreon and support me there um i did post a goal that if i do reach 50 patreon patrons i will try my best to provide um rewards probably some merchandise probably some extra episodes it's a mystery so we'll just have to see so if you guys really like this episode this podcast as a whole please go to the my patreon it's linked in the description of my podcast and yeah i would really appreciate it if you guys could do that and i hope uh, my pronunciations are getting a tad bit better and other than that um until next week stay safe and stay out of boredom